Hello. Hi. Welcome to Book This Weekend with Meghla Chakraborty and Avinash Chakraborty. Where we talk about all the books we read, but one at a time. Hey, Avinash. Hi, Meghla. So we are on the third episode of something we thought uh, would wrap up like by first episode. When we started recording, it was I think the lockdown was supposed to end in a couple of weeks or maybe in ten days, and we thought maybe after the first episode, uh, after our work starts, maybe we have to either I don't know give up on the project or record on a two week frequency rather than a week frequency. But here we are on our third episode. Yeah, I think that's like the only differentiating factor between a Monday and a Sunday. For me, I I feel that you know that the only way I can make a difference between say Sunday and a Wednesday is that Sunday we have we have this recording. So, what have you been reading? How many books have you been reading this week? I see that every time I open my Insta, I see a story in which there's a book in your hand, uh, and mostly these days, I guess you have run out of physical books, so you're reading everything from Kindle. So. Kindle me to do se pata nahi chalta what book you're reading, so <laughs> I can only see a number like seventeen uh, by twenty five, eighteen by twenty five. I'm actually um yeah so I am reading three three books three I was reading two right now because I, I finished see. one book for this mm-hmm. podcast. Okay. So I finished the book for this year and I'm still reading sixteenth and seventeenth. Like I'm not finishing seventeenth purposely, but yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. I saw that story where you said that you know you are reading a book specifically specifically for the next episode. So you finished that? Yes. Yeah, I picked it up like uh, it was long due, but I picked it up like I thought like it will be a little different. Like there is a variation in my choice from mm-hmm. the usual books I pick. Yeah, Migla, tell us which book uh, you have picked for this week. Mm, so this book is called Zen in the Art of Writing by Ray Bradbury. Coming to the why first, and then to what? I think like the biggest desire which comes after reading books is to understand the art of storytelling. I mean, I believe at all points we have attempted at some form of writing and wish that you know we could come up with a better plot and structured sentences. Yeah. Yeah. So these incessant voices around contemplating, like the need to put up a piece together, uh, has happened with me as well, like many times. So I've also googled the tips and tricks to you know write a story and the hacks for bet for a better narrative. Mm-hmm. So I was like rather contented, laying my hands on this book. Finally, my research on the big how is taking shape. Uh huh. So yeah, so this is like a collection of small creative essays with a lot of takeaways to help you craft your writing. So the author has penned out his experiences of how he wrote a piece and most of it are bestsellers from the very scratch of the idea coming to him. And, and it's like as we speak now, I'm pulling up like my highlights from this book. Um so in a way that uh, today how like the way i'm going to talk about this is i'm going to post like seven questions uh-huh. uh, which i think would have crossed all our minds and frame its answers from what i have collected mm-hmm. from the book oh okay like, 
Yeah, so I'm not just going to rant about, you know, what this essay is called and, you know, what is it about. Okay. Rather than that, uh, I thought, like, you know, why not give a synopsis of the whole book in a in a the simpler way? Because this is something, you know, you will interpret, like, in different ways because it's not same for everybody. Mm-hmm. So what does writing teach us? Um, it reminds us that we are alive and it is a gift. Like life asks for rewards back because it has favor- favored us with animation. Writing is survival. Any art, any good work is. Now, What happens if you don't write? If you do not write every day, the poisons would accumulate and you begin to die, act crazy or both. You must stay drunk on writing so reality cannot destroy you. The the most asked question, how to write? So if you are writing without jest, without gusto, without love, without fun, you are only half a writer. It means you're busy keeping one eye on the commercial market and you aren't being yourself. So life is short, but on the way in your work, why not carry two inflated pig bladders labeled chest in gusto? What is the history of a story? The today explored fly apart distinct like the first draft in short. Okay. The other six, seven drafts are going to be pure torture. So enjoy the first draft in the hope that your joy will seek and find others in the world who read your story will catch fire too. How do you commence a story, a writing pattern? Where do you start? How do you know this? That is pretty much, I guess, uh, everybody's uh, biggest question. And how do you start the whole writing process? So you stumble into it mostly. You know what you are doing and suddenly it's done. You don't set out to reform a certain kind of writing. It evolves out of your own life and night scares. To add, like Ray Bradbury um, mm-hmm. started very young and he didn't know like which genre he was fit for. Like he didn't have those in mind. He said like those things, people will take care of it. Like editorials, mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. Uh, literary agent, everybody else will do that for you. You just need to do the writing part. How much to write? That's like my question. Like my Everyday question, mm-hmm. how much write? Like, I do not write, but I always ask this question. If I were to write, how much should I write? How many words? Yeah. So, Ray Bradbury wrote a thousand words every day from the age of 12. And he said that most of them were like, not even close to something he mm-hmm. says good. Keep writing. And someday the character will suddenly appear and say, that's me. That's an idea I like. And the character would finish the tale for you. And in the book, he had mentioned that when he was, he started at 12. So when he was 21, mm-hmm. he wrote this story. It's called The Lake, which has been published 44 years after the first time it was written. And when he wrote it, he cried after it. Like he always had a typewriter. So, mm-hmm. so he said that after finishing that story, like he wrote it for two hours straight. Uh, sitting in the porch his nose was running and he was all teared up and he said like he realized that after a decade he wrote something mm-hmm. which he felt was good and which like it just came to him 
like this is what he this is how he should write and you know this is the good stuff kind of thing now where to brew inspiration from mm-hmm. like what is the idea most of us like google what should we write on what is the story like so he said everywhere like read those authors who write the way you hope to write those who think the way you would like to think but also mm-hmm. read those who do not think as you think or write and so be stimulated in directions you might not take for many years now those were my seven questions these are like collective essays now these essays are around the books and his pieces which has come together like which are published and which is out there in the market so around those he has written uh, some essays and in these essays he has hidden philosophies out of which i've picked some lines and you know put them together in the question in the broader question it answers about the prescriptive part uh, if you research on it most people will say if you want to know like the books on writing this is like one of the books which makes its way to that list but okay. uh, it's just simply not that you know because there you you get to know like i'll again come back to uh, one of our common fa- favorite murakami book mm-hmm. what i talk yeah. when i talk about running yeah. you know when where you get where, where you know you get to know a lot about running in some 150 i don't know 120 pages but then you also get to know the author like you know how like his experiences where did he start and all of that yeah. similarly here uh, ray bradbury has collected his memories together like from the very start of his life i feel like from the start uh, at that point where he used to you know collect comic books and how about his friends and how all of his journeys like all of the journeys which led to the martian chronicles and how did the screenplay of moby dick came into place he had to go to ireland and mm-hmm. and yeah about the book fahrenheit 451 all of those like in those titles he had written about these philosophies so you will not only know about the author you will know uh, about you know how fahrenheit 451 was never the name uh, when he started writing it or you know the collective art of starting to write to the end of the process like when you have to come back and redraft and you know cut short 150 words and then again cut short another 100 words like like all of those processes and one thing which you should never give up on is continuously uh, write writing so yeah, yeah. so i uh, remember reading like a, it was kind of like a blog post based on uh, stephen king's advices so he had also written something along the line uh-huh. that no matter what uh-huh. happens you should sit down and should write 400 to 500 words you don't care if it's bad you don't care if it will be read by somebody it should be something that you want to write whatever comes to your mind you try that and it's like running you know you start at you you have to keep running 2 3 kilometers every day if you ultimately want to run a marathon so megla this was quite a um, lot of fun i guess all the listeners who have tried writing whether it's in the form of a blog or even facebook posts or even instagram uh, captions we have all tried to write and i guess uh, anybody would love to read this book whoever who has ever tried to write 
So for my book, like the book that I have picked today, uh, it's called The Unbearable Lightness of Being by Milan Kundera. Now, this book, um, I cannot talk about my love for reading fiction or reading novels or reading in general without ever mentioning this book. I must have mentioned this book to you, I guess, dozens of times. And um, it's also a book which I have gifted the most. Like I, I think I've gifted this to five people till now. So I picked this book uh, to talk about today because I feel that, you know, uh, this is my way of gifting it to our listeners. Um, so I read this book back in 2015. And since then, I've, I think I've reread it at least twice. And sometimes I just read some of the bookmark parts. So I will try my best not to give away spoilers. I sometimes forget where to stop, you know, but I will try my best to, uh, to tell our listeners why I l- would like them to read this book and what I love about the book. Okay. Yeah, I, I also, sh- I don't want spoilers. I really want to read this book. <laughs> Yeah, I have hyped this book so much to you. So um, I have said this before in this podcast that I read a book for its narrative styles and the voice of the author. For me, it's more about the storytelling rather than the story itself. This book has four characters, Thomas, Teresa, Sabina and Franz. Thomas is a successful surgeon in Czechoslovakia. Uh, he meets this girl, a younger girl, Teresa, and eventually they fall in love, they get married. Now, the thing about uh, Thomas is that he's a serial womanizer. Like, according to him, uh, love and sex are two entirely separate things. And, uh, of course, Teresa doesn't agree with it. You have to read the novel, uh, What Happens with the Marriage. And it's a very different way of Mm -hmm. dealing with the uh, question of fidelity and what does it mean to be in love. Uh, Now, uh, what happens during the course of the novel is my uh, Soviets uh, is that Soviets invade Czechoslovakia? Thomas and Teresa have to leave uh, Prague because the war was getting uh, quite uh, intense. Uh, so they move to Switzerland. Now Switzerland is where Thomas's favorite mistress lives. She okay. is this uh, amazing painter, and she believes that betrayal is the only way we can be happy. So I'll come back to the uh, title of the novel, "The Unbearable Lightness of Being." The novel keeps on making this, uh, like it keeps on reinforcing this idea that uh, to be happy, like we think that to be happy, we have to have less attachments. However, the best things in life come with their own weight, come with their own burden, whether it's your wife, your children, they are all heavy on you. They have certain sort of response, they give you certain sort of responsibilities. Many a time we mm-hmm. feel that, you know, we would be happy if only we didn't have uh, like three, four mouths to feed. If I don't have to answer my wife, uh, where am I going and all of that? I don't have to care about my children. But is that the true form of happiness? Or what is happiness? Are you, can you be really happy by being light, like without all these burdens? So, mm-hmm. um, so that's what the whole novel is about. So Sabina is kind of, the, it's the character who symbolizes that. Like she believes that being light is the only way to be happy. You know, and although she's, she's self-aware that this might not leave her happy in the truest sense, it might leave her miserable and lonely and all of that. Um, so that is 
that's what uh, Sabina is all about. And Sabina and Franz have an affair. Franz is a married man in itself. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, then they, there is a little bit of affair there. So this is about these four characters, their lives intersect at some point. Um, uh, so that's all the basic plot of the novel is. Now, why I love the narrative form of this novel is unlike uh, all the other books I've read, this book is non-linear, okay? In the sense that uh, the time f- uh, flashes uh, for back and forth without you even knowing. Like there is no heading which says 10 years from uh, 10 years later or 20 years later or five years before like that. Like there would be like two, three chapters in which you are in a certain time. And then again, the next, the very next page, the author is talking about something uh, something else like there would be a line that well sabina did this now but 10 years from now when she when she sat down to think about it she had a like some epiphany or something uh, so I, that makes a very powerful uh, narrative style i believe in it but it takes a lot of hard work to keep the story coherent whenever i think that i have to tell somebody about unbearable lightness of being i, I can't seem to pick what to tell them because Everything in the novel happens at the same time. Like everything happens together and they don't happen together. There's one bit of philosophy called uh, the um, uh, principle of eternal returns. So um, this principle, you must have heard this at some point in a movie or a series or something that everything that is happening today has happened before. It's like a cyclic thing. So whatever is happening in 2020 will, will happen again at a certain interval. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, mythologies take this very seriously. Um, but in Western philosophy, I think Nietzsche was the first guy who said that, you know, uh, who actually um, didn't take, believe in this philosophy. He said that, look, you have only one life and whatever you are doing today, you cannot, you can never be sure whether you did it, you did the right thing or the wrong thing because you have but one life. So all the circumstances that have led uh, you to take a certain decision are unique. They have never happened to anybody else and it will probably never happen to you again. So there's no way to know what you do is right or wrong. So it ke- the novel keeps on saying that. So what it does, it's, it takes on historical uh, figures and it compares that what did that historical figure do, like say Adolf Hitler, or at some point he uh, talks about uh, Frederick, the ruler of Germany, what he did. And then he compares what our characters are doing in the novel. Another thing, the narrator speaks in first person. He speaks directly to you. He's not a character in the novel. Neither is is he like an omnipresent God-like thing, like some uh, uh, authors who speak as if they know everything about all the characters, right? But this author doesn't do that. And he even goes on to say that you cannot be sure that all the characters that I talk about in the novel are real or they are just figments of my imagination. Mm-hmm. Narrator is, has, a, uh, has different roles. You know, at some point, he's just narrating what is happening. At some point, he's interpreting some historical event and he's connecting it with our uh, characters. And sometimes he inserts himself in the novel. He says, if I were in place of this guy, I mean, this particular character, say Thomas or Franz, I would have done this. So I found that fascinating. Um, it's so, like having a conversation with the author, with an author while you're yeah. reading. Absolutely, absolutely. So the purpose of the book 
is uh, to put forward a philosophy of, uh, of happiness, a philosophy of uh, what does it mean? Uh, what is the meaning of being? You know, are we going to be light or are we going to be heavy? And uh, the author does take a stand after some time because depending on what the characters do. So, you know, that's for the people to find out. And it's not a thick book. It's, I think, 250 pages. It's not like an uh, epic book. So, yeah. And one more thing. And this uh, author doesn't describe the, their character's uh, physicality. Like, you don't know if Thomas is tall or short, if he's handsome, if he's well-built. You don't know all of that. But you are intimately aware what he thinks about politics, what he thinks about uh, relationships. Mm -hmm. So you are more aware of their personalities rather than their... Uh, physical looks. We couldn't replace anybody. You can think of you in front uh, instead of Thomas. You know. So I have a very silly question around here. Mm -hmm. I've seen like the the cover is of this book is really interesting. So there is like a dog, small dog. Right. Um, yeah. So what's with that? Is it like just fancy art stuff or it? it place something in the story mm -hmm. so um okay this so there is a dog in the in the book and uh, the dog belongs to two characters in the book i won't tell which characters and the dog stands for a metaphor so dog is real of course but what happens to the dog why they even uh, adopt a dog and what eventually happens to the dog it's all a metaphor to what is happening oh, to the relationship okay. of the characters so, yeah, Mikla, you were saying that this one uh, cover has a dog in it. So there are multiple covers to the book. It was, uh, the, the book that I own has the cover of a, of a woman holding a hat, a bowler hat. Uh, so there are like metaphors like this. So big metaphors are one, the dog is a metaphor. Then the hat is a metaphor. Then there's a suitcase, which is also a metaphor. So this is a book of that sort. It speaks in metaphors. Uh, I love the book because it lets you um, think much after you have finished a book. So you will keep on thinking about what is it to be happy. So yeah, that's about it. So that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. The names of the books and the authors would be there in the podcast description. Um, you will see you next week. Stay home, stay safe, and do write to us your feedback. So yeah, bye. Bye.